Now, here's Matt Mosley. It is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show. And i uh, tell you what inspires me, Channel 6's pigskin preview. I like watching it. I like kind of seeing who's on the docket. Maybe Clifton could be the kindly cadets. Uh, the, the Temple Wildcats one jumped out at me recently with Tori and York. And uh, I just decided today, hey, I got to go get Scott Stewart on. Joining us now for Chillin' with Quillin, a man who, uh, boy, enjoying uh, marriage and uh, enjoying the start of high school football. Uh, it is Curtis Quillen. And, uh, Curtis, I think there's a scrimmage this evening out at uh, Midway so we can sort of officially start thinking about actual high school football. We can, yeah. Midway and Lake Belton, they're scrimmaging each other at, at Panther Stadium tonight. So uh, if you're one of those people, one of those people like uh, well, me, who needs their high school football fix before the high school football season starts, uh, you can go get it tonight. Uh, but no, I'm over. I'm over at Baylor. Uh, we just got done shooting a little bit of practice, and now we're waiting for some interviews tonight with uh, the wide receivers and tight ends. Okay, Ben Sims, Drake Dabney, others will uh, hopefully be available, wide receivers. Now, Curtis, you're uh, your very well-trained eye. When you, um, when you put the camera over there on practice today, what do you find yourself uh, in? Boy, you and Matt and the whole gang have been over there at a lot of these practices. What has stood out to you during the, uh, the small portion of practice that the uh, media has been able to see. And by the way, the Bears had a late-night practice the other night. I believe that was Wednesday night. And, uh, and partly, perhaps, to start getting their bodies ready for a late-night start against BYU. That game will start at 9.15 Central Time, although the, uh, the Bears will be out there on Mountain Time in Provo, Utah. But what is, uh, what, what is grabs your attention when you go out and observe practice? I've noticed that practice is a lot more efficient than I think even this time last year. Um, I think that there's a much clearer expectation. I think the expectation a year ago was just make a bowl game. I don't think anyone was really uh, originally expecting, at least not from the outside, a Big 12 championship and a Sugar Bowl win. And so it's a lot more efficient. There's not as much teaching as much as there is fine-tuning. And so I think that kind of stands out as something that you really see with uh, high-level and high-caliber college football programs is that when you're not spending your time teaching and installing, and obviously there's some level of an install every week during the football season, but when you're not installing basics of a scheme and you can do more fine-tuning and do more elaborate scheming, uh, that leads to a lot of success in college in college football, and I, I've seen a, a lot of that. And then i got to say, Blake Shapin has been really impressive. I've, I've kind of watched him a little bit every single practice, and we've only missed one as a, as a department. And it was earlier this week, um, and so I've, I've noticed that he's really, really kind of fine-tuning things, and he's got a really good control of the football, and um, I, I would have, if I didn't know, and you just showed me Blake Shapin during fall camp, uh, I'd have a hard time believing that this is a, a man who, you know, missed the Sugar Bowl because he was injured. Yeah, it's, um, uh, we were just reading a list of the, of Athlon went like one through 131 
in major college uh, football quarterbacks, and they had Shapin listed at number 61. I think it's way too low. Obviously, I mean, they had Quinn Ewers, of course, in the 20s, just based on all the hype and the recruiting and all of that kind of thing. But I, I'm excited to see uh, to see Shapin. I also saw something else the other day, a list where Jeff Grimes appeared on in terms of the, the hottest assistants in the country that uh, in, in terms of maybe who would be head coaching candidates going into next year. And uh, I have to say, uh, even running into Jeff the other night at an event, uh, I, you, I mean, Curtis, he, he really does have a presence about him. It's not just because he's so big. He is a big dude. But I, I'm, I, I, what, one of the comments they made is that having the reputation of being an O-line coach sometimes holds people back. I, don't, I, I, I guess I understand a little bit of that because maybe they're, they don't have as much background in play, in play calling. But if I'm out there trying to look at who needs to lead a program – Curtis, I would I would have no problem hiring Jeff Grimes. The example I'm going to use with Jeff Grimes is Sam Pittman at Arkansas. You look at what he's doing at mm-hmm. Arkansas and the way that he's built that Razorback program. And, I mean, he's an O-line guy. I don't know that he was ever an offensive coordinator, Sam Pittman. But he's a really established offensive line coach, and he's proven, it, he's proven to be a pretty decent head coaching hire there at an SEC West school. And so – you know, I think there's definitely going to be interest in Jeff Grimes to be a head coach, and I think it's pretty much, you know, is that something he wants or does he like life as a coordinator? Does he like not being the one in the main headset? Because uh, there is a certain quality of life that you get um, when you're not the guy in the big chair, and I think that that's something that he's going to think about. He's from Texas. His wife is from Texas. Like, they like where they're at. He's at a, He knows he's got a really good job, and I think the, his players – have a whole lot of respect for him. He's not a in-your-face, chew-you-up-and-down kind of offensive coordinator. He is a good motivator, and he's very detailed when you watch him work with the tight ends. And when you see the way he interacts with his offensive players, it's kind of like David Randy. He's not in-their-face screaming at these dudes. He's just coaching. Hey, I like that you tried this. Let's do it this way next time instead. Or I like where your head's at, but don't like – we're forgetting about this when you do that – um, I think he's going to be uh, attached to a lot of head coaching jobs, but it, I think for him, and this isn't from him, this is just me speculating, but I think it comes down to, you know, is that is it something that is better than what he has at Baylor right now? Talking to Curtis Quillen, chilling with Quillen uh, on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas And uh, Curtis uh, Casey Dunn, the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, was also on this list. And uh, he was just a couple of spots behind Jeff Grimes. Interestingly, number two on the list of the whole group of five coaches, Jeff Trailer, right behind the Coastal Carolina coach, uh, Jeff Trailer, the coach at UTSA. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Curtis, as you... uh, uh, prepare for your uh, broadcast, your newscast uh, tonight. The, all these um, previews you've been doing, the pigskin preview, you and Matt, y'all's whole staff. What um, is, is there anything? Uh, what are the couple of schools that that you felt like? Oh man, this school is getting ready to make a jump. 
Uh, and and I'm, I think you had one recently that grabbed my attention. Salado, that's kind of my adopted hometown in some sense because we well, I stay there quite a bit. What um, what what what's going on with Coach Westerberg and in in Salado? What what jumped out about uh, about the the Salado program to you? So the thing that jumped out about Salado to me wasn't even from two a days, and Nicole kind of just confirmed it for us when she went to practice uh, last week. Uh, Salado's moving away from the slot two. You know, Alan Hare came in, and Salado hadn't won much in the years before he got there, so he brought the slot D into his hometown. Uh, one losing record in six years, uh, and they were, what, 12 minutes from a playoff trip, from a trip to the playoffs there in 2018? And so you have to figure that's a pretty good run for a school that hadn't had a whole lot of success um, in the years before that. Well, now they're, they're, they're nixing the slot T. They're going back to the spread. And so they're, you know, they've run the ball quite a bit the past few years. And certainly going from the slot T to the spread is a little bit of a, of a shift. But, you know, they've developed some better athletes there than what uh, Salado had in the cupboard whenever um, Alan Hare walked through the door. And you factor in the fact that you've got a coach who's from there, who's friends with the guy who just left, uh, because they've both been in the same THSCA circles for what, 20, 30 years. They've both been coaching forever. Yeah. And, and they're both good coaches. And so this guy's won four state titles at the state's largest school. And so now you just got to get the kids to believe. And when you can get kids to really buy into what, what you're selling, there's not a lot you can't do. And I know that sounds like a coaching cliche because it kind of is, but you know, cliches become cliches for a reason. And that's one of those. And so, Salado did jump off the page because I do think that in the next few years we could be talking about Salado being a perennial contender there in Region 3 or wherever they wind up in realignment because they're in a spot of the state where they could wind up in three different regions depending on where the UIL needs them to go every realignment period. The other one is Waco High. You know, a lot of the kids that are there were there last year with Lyndon Health. And at a school like Waco High that doesn't see a lot of success, um, that's a big feat. So you got kids who have a full year under their belt with Lyndon Health and Tyler Holcomb and that staff. I don't know that Waco High will be in the playoffs this fall, but I do think that we're done talking about, you know, one in nine or zero oh in ten Waco High for a while. I think this is a team that has the potential to go four and six, five and five this year. Um, you know, but you got to play the games on the field. And so we'll see what happens with, with Waco High. And those are the two that I'll answer because, I mean, it's kind of – for me, it's kind of a cop-out to sit here and say, you know, Mart and La Vega and Connolly and China Spray. Like, uh-huh. those, those teams are always going to jump off the page because they're always good. Temple is always good. Lake Belton has proven that it will be good for a while. It has a five-star recruit in Micah Hudson, and then it has a TCU commit in Javion Wilcox. Like, those schools are always going to be good. So, to me – the really unique stories are the ones of the struggling teams that are tr- moving out from the cellar, uh, like Waco High, uh, Salado not moving from the cellar, but uh, you know a massive shift in scheme and a shift in expectations. And then uh, Bartlett is looking to compete for a playoff spot, and you know they have b- bigger numbers than they've ever had, and uh, they feel better than they have, and you know they're adding some wrinkles into their offenses. Uh, uh, as well, and the, the wrinkles that they've been working on for years, and so these are um, these are some of the things that kind of I noticed during two days. All right, and then uh, Midway and Temple, 
getting it on. I mean, for a long time, boy, Midway has kind of been in charge of that deal. Midway fell on hard times in part because they were in one of the toughest districts in the state of Texas, the District of Doom. They finally get out of there. They can take a deep breath. And, and maybe Shane can get that thing going a little bit, and they can get rolling again. They certainly have some talent. Um, when you think of, of that game, Temple, uh, Midway, what, what do you – I mean, Temple has been running the table in district. They did it last year. Um, they've got a tough-minded – in fact, I was joking with Scott Stewart. He sounded a little like Dan Campbell to me today talking about putting the two-by-four to Usain Bolt. Hey, hey, guys, if you put a a two-by-four upside his head, he's not going to be quite as fast. I mean, that's that's sort of Dan Campbell-type stuff. What do you think of those two as we think about that that matchup this season? I think that matchup's a lot of fun. I think it's two very proud programs. I think it's two teams that are always loaded with talent. But, you know, when I look at that matchup on paper – you know, two weeks from the start of the regular season, the thing that jumps out to me is talent. Um, you can say it's not the X's and, and the O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Um, and I would say that X's and O's wise, you have a pretty much draw because both of these coaches have won everywhere they've been um, and are very good coaches. So to me, it comes down to the players. And when you have two power five prospects in, you know, Mikhail Harrison pilot, um, and Tory and York, that that tends to make a difference in high school football, even at the 6A level. Um, and so I think, you know, I think Temple's really working on building something, and I think it just took some time to – it's not even – I don't even think it's a Scott Stewart thing. I think it's a program kind of settling its feet under the new head coach when Scott uh, got promoted back in 2016 uh, after um, – after the change then, you know, I think it just took a little bit of time for the program to kind of settle its legs under him and let him get his, dig his feet into the ground so that he can take off. Um, and I think he's starting to do that. Um, you know, being able to win those playoff games the past two years will, will is going to be big. And now it's just a matter of can he continue to do that, uh, knowing that he's going to be playing the same District 11 6A. What, uh, the storyline that I have circled in the event that it happens come week 12, which is by the first round of the playoffs, Matt, there is a chance if Midway gets into the playoffs that we could see Midway against former Midway coach Jeff Hume because that's the district they're paired with in the first round. A lot of football between now and then, 10 games per, for our, you know 1,500 schools across the state. Um, but that would be a really fun thing to happen in 14 weeks from now. Wow, I like it. I like it, the former uh, Midway coach, and uh, that would be really nice. Hey, thank you. I know you got a lot going on out there uh, covering this Baylor practice. You'll hear from the receivers and the, the uh, tight ends, and I'll tell you the receiver I want to hear more about, Hal Presley. When I try to put, get my arms around, like, who could be the breakout, sort of the leader of the group, I, today, for some reason, I my, I decided how Presley might be that guy, and and uh, and and the fun thing about the Baylor receivers are you just don't know who it's going to be. But with Monterey Baldwin and others, they do have a lot of talent. Javon Gibson comes to mind as well. So uh, Curtis, always fun. Appreciate you doing this. We will talk to you soon. Sounds good, Matt. Appreciate you.
There he goes, Curtis Quillen, who went to Floresville High School and then uh, did his training in college at Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State Cowboy, and now as the uh, sports director over at Channel 6, does a really nice job over there and uh, is all over it, all different levels. All right, it's Matt Mosley's show, ESPN Central Texas, on a Friday. And got to catch you up.